We're continuing in the series on the tale of two kingdoms, chapter 11, Daniel chapter 11. Uh, before the first service, um, there was a couple who came in and they had been reading the passages, uh, reading the chapters before, during the week. And they said uh, they'd read chapter 11. They came up to me specifically, said they'd read chapter 11. And they said they read it the first time and their eyes just glazed over. They didn't have a sense of what it was all about and then they said they went back and read it read it again and their eyes glazed over again and they said Robin I just want you to know we're praying for you this morning so I was encouraged by that because the first commentary I went to when I was looking at chapter 11 because my eyes glazed over when I first read it as well uh, said this is one of the most difficult passages in the Bible now I don't think it is but this particular commentary thought it was so we're going to pray now and uh, as we come to look at God's word together so let's uh, let's pray together Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word speaks to us. We know you have something for us from Daniel chapter 11. We thank you for what you're going to say to us. We thank you for how you're going to encourage us. We thank you for how you encourage your people in Daniel's time. And we pray that we too will hear the word that they heard. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, he's here this morning, but... One of my son-in-laws, Matt Vince, uh, got a drone for his birthday and uh, it was, uh, we were over at their place and when you're just standing on the deck at the back of their place, you can just see the neighbours' houses, which is his two brothers, uh, and, uh, and, and, and a bit of the valley below and you can see the garden and the roses and where the tank is and you can just see the houses sitting in all those things. And then uh, he hooked up his, uh, his phone for a hook up the camera to that so that as he flew it up in the air, um, you could see things from a different perspective. And he went to a certain height and you could see a couple more neighbours' houses. You could see that their home is in a community called Summertown. And as he went up higher, you could see uh, that it's near Mount Lofty. And as he went up even higher, you could get a sense that it was, uh, yeah, that it was actually just on the edge of the foot, on the, this side of the hills uh, of the city of Adelaide. And so you Everything looks so totally different and even when I've used Google Earth sometimes I've seen something at this level and then when you're looking from over on the, on the top, suddenly I've thought I found it hard to work it all out because it looks so different. And when we see things from a heaven's perspective, from a different perspective, we get the right perspective and it helps us uh, cope uh, with life. And Daniel chapter 11 is a kind of a, a snapshot that summarises a lot of what Daniel is about, uh, giving God's perspective on the events of the time for the Jewish people, which speaks powerfully to us about what God might want to say to us in whatever we are going through uh, during this time and it even points to some of the world events that we even have uh, that's happening been happening for the last 2,000 years but is also in a sense coming to a climax uh, even uh, in our time but the writer of Ecclesiastes is a uh, gives a perspective and is quite uh, um, uh, not depressing but kind of says, well, life can be pretty meaningless because it describes life in the way that we see it uh, as we look at uh, what's happening around us. Um, he talks about, uh, he speaks, used the term, uh, everything under the sun, just looking at things uh, from, an, from an earthly perspective. In Ecclesiastes 9, 11 and 12, uh, 11, verses 11 and 12, it says, The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favour to the learned, but 
Time and chance happen to them all. Good and bad happens to them all. There doesn't seem to be any fairness and justice in, in what is happening. But even as the writer of Ecclesiastes, looking at life uh, from my son-in-law's deck, from just looking at it from a human perspective, it seemed meaningless. And he says, uh, there is something else meaningless that occurs on the earth. The righteous get what the wicked deserve, and the wicked get what the righteous deserve. And he, um, and he goes on to say um, how um, even when we look at life like that, at the end of the book, he says, here is the conclusion of the matter. So even if you're just looking at life from a human perspective and it seems unfair and unjust and, and confusing, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind, for God will bring every deed into judgment. We'll look at this in a little bit more, more as we look at Daniel 11 including every hidden thing, whether um, it is uh, good or evil. But as we look at life uh, and see the events that are happening in the world at the moment, we see uh, racial tension, we see uh, people crying out for justice, and rightly so. Uh, We see gender abuse, homelessness, harassment, uh, child abuse and poverty, all these things on a world scale and on a national scale and even in our own communities. And we wonder where God is and where justice is as we see these things. And you might be thinking uh, in church life, it's not just out there. But in church life, pastors do things that they should never do. And you might wonder, where is the justice in that? They seem to get away with it, and they shouldn't get away with it. Churches fail to live out the gospel of grace and God's kingdom, and they hurt each other and do things that uh, no church should do or people in churches shouldn't be doing. And you wonder where God's justice is. Why isn't God sorting this out and stopping these, uh, these things from happening? But then it gets right down to our personal life. And you reflect on things that have happened to you uh, or that um, you are going through at the moment and you might be asking the same question, where is God? Where is the justice? Why am I going through this? Why has God given me this challenge? You may, somebody uh, might have lost a job, an unfair dismissal. You might have lost it through COVID, something totally out of your control. And you're saying, God, what's going on? Why Why am I going through these things? Maybe your partner has walked out on you in your marriage and you thought you had a lifelong uh, loving relationship for some reason something has blown apart and you're asking God where are you we we why why is this happening and what is the meaning of all this maybe friendships break up friends and family may be walking away from faith you've brought your children up you've you've worshiped with them you've taught them God's word you've traveled alongside them and sometimes uh, kids still as they get to a certain age they they can still walk away from faith and you'll you'll be crying out to God and saying why is this happening you see the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer and you're wondering where is God where is the justice in that why is God letting this happening and even Christians sometimes justify uh, those things maybe it's a sickness or premature death of a loved one or a partner and you're saying God where are you why is this happening and so uh, those questions come to our mind and this morning from Daniel chapter 11 and you might be quite amazed about this but there's four gold nuggets that I want us to take hold of uh, from this morning's uh, service and from this message in Daniel uh, chapter 11 because Daniel is giving us a perspective, if you like. Ecclesiastes is under the sun. 
Daniel is giving us a perspective from, if you like, over the sun, from heaven's perspective, the events of his time, which speak to us about the events of our own time as well. Uh, in, in Daniel uh, chapter 11, uh, in Daniel's prayer uh, back in chapter 2, was he sets up kings and he deposes them, and we see God's hand in the events of history. And this is where we can find our sustenance, our strength uh, to, to persevere in whatever's happening in our lives if we see things uh, from God's perspective. Where Rebecca and I were living and where my first wife and I ha- had lived uh, uh, for the time that she was on earth, um, um, there was a, we were... We'd built a home on a one-in-four slope and there was a steep gully below us and it was in the middle of uh, orchards above us and then it went into timbered country below us and you'd always hear lots of birds in the gully and, we're, and we'd often watch eagles that were soaring almost out of sight. They would just go get so small in the sky and this one day uh, as we were looking down the gully, suddenly the whole gully went silent. All the birds just went silent. And suddenly there was the whoosh of an eagle in full dive, came down into the gully 20 or 30 metres below the house and uh, as it hit, almost looked like it hit the ground and it just took off and it had a, had a rabbit in its, in its talons that had caught its, its meal and nourishment. And the only way it got that nourishment and, it, and the meal was because he'd, um, he'd gone to great heights. He could see, or he or she, I don't know, it was a he or she eagle, but it went to great heights and it could see a, broad, a large area and with, with the amazing eyes God's given eagles, it was able to see this rabbit and grab it. If it had been 20 metres away, the rabbit would have seen the eagle and taken off there's no way if the eagle had just been walking around on the ground wasting the wings that God had given it then uh, um, there's no way it would have found that nourishment this morning we're going if you like from an eagle's perspective and looking at Daniel from from if you like a heavenly perspective to see what God has to say to us that will encourage us in our life's journey uh, this morning And the first gold nugget that I want us uh, to take away from Daniel chapter 11, which is the theme of the whole book, with David's picked it up and the others who have preached on Daniel have emphasised, and I want to remind us this morning, and it's clear in this chapter, it's one of the main messages of this chapter, is that uh, God is in control. In spite of present circumstances, God is in control and will win the day. And perhaps no other chapter in the, in the whole of Daniel makes this uh, more clear. And, um, and if we look at things uh, and see the accuracy of what Daniel was told uh, by the messenger uh, that gave him uh, the words for the book of Daniel, the accuracy is so accurate that it just shows you the inspiration of Scripture. People who want to deny the inspiration of Scripture think that whatever these, this chapter is saying was written 400 years after Daniel because then they could look back and say, well, here's all these things that happened and make it look like uh, that it was something that God had done. But the, God revealed to Daniel what was happening in the time for the Jews and uh, gave them uh, great insight for their insur- assurance and for their uh, encouragement. And the events that the chapter covers uh, from 550 to 150 BC, it talks about what would take place. And let me summarise. I think there's 45 or uh, 47 verses in, in chapter 11. Um, and we're going to summarise it in about three minutes uh, Uh, And you'll be encouraged by that, I'm sure. And we'll see just the sense of what 
Daniel was telling and what God was telling the, the, his people during that time of, the, of, the, of what was happening around them to reassure them. In verse 2, we, uh, uh, Daniel was given the future of the Persian, the Babylonian Empire, where the Jews were in captivity. It says in verse 2 of Daniel 11, Now then, I tell you the truth, three more kings will arise in Persia, and then a fourth, and, uh, will be, uh, and who will be far richer than all the others. When he has gained power by his wealth, he will stir up everyone against the kingdom of Greece. And those events took place uh, during uh, the years ahead after Daniel wrote these things. And then in verse 3 and 4, we see another uh, clearly uh, defined event that Daniel was told about, the Greek Empire under, um, uh, and, uh, under Alexander the Great. And it says in verse 3 and 4, Then a mighty king will arise and he will rule with great power and do as he pleases. After he has arisen, his empire will be broken up and parceled out toward the four winds of heaven. It will um, not go to his descendants, nor will it have the power he exercised because his empire will be uprooted and given to others. And all that happened under Alexander the Great. And then I'm not going to read verses 5 to 35, but this talks about a whole series of conflicts that took place um, between Egypt and Syria and where Israel was caught in the middle of all that. And all these events were taking place in the three or four hundred years after after uh, Daniel was given uh, these words. And then it talks about an ultimate conflict with a terrible dictator, um, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, against whom Israel will rebel and gain her independence. And, and these things all took place just as Daniel was shown by uh, the messenger from God. And in verse 36, a story suddenly leaps from Antiochus Epiphanes to the final great world dictator or the Antichrist and the remainder of the chapter describes the unfolding uh, battles uh, and the tribulation that um, uh, leading to the slaughter and downfall of the Antichrist. And it just talks about events that were fulfilled at the time uh, in, in one uh, sense. In a lot of Old Testament prophecies, there's the now and not yet. There was the, ever, there was the reality and the truth and the outworking in the time but it also has an application for the future. And we're going to see what God can say to us uh, as we uh, look at this passage. But the first thing that I want us to take hold of, as we've read in those passages, Daniel was told by the messenger from God, given a heavenly perspective of the events that would happen. And we need to have confidence uh, that God is in control. And uh, he is in control of your life right now, despite the circumstances that you are facing. In 6th century Babylon, it looked as if Babylon and then Persia were in control, but they weren't. In the 2nd century Palestine, it looked as if Antiochus Epiphanes was in control, but he wasn't. In the 1st century, when Jesus and Paul were uh, walking this earth, um, it looked like the Romans were in control, but the Romans weren't in control. To Christians, to us today... Living 2,000 years after Jesus, it may look as though Satan is in control, uh, but he isn't. God is in control, and because of that, we can have boundless joy in, and optimism in the midst of our struggles. Not denying grief, as Dave reminded us last week, but in the midst of whatever challenges that you're facing in life, you can have a deep inner joy. The word blessed in the, in the Beatitudes is despite your outward deep inner joy, to be blessed is have deep inner joy, delight, despite 
outward circumstances. And this is what this is saying here. As we know that God is in control, no matter how painful and difficult uh, life is, we can have deep inner joy in God despite our outward uh, circumstances. That's what it means uh, to be blessed. So take hold of that nugget and hang on to it. God is in control. And even though it doesn't look like it and we can't work it all out, there's a sense of mystery. That word was in one of the songs that we sang this morning. There's a sense of mystery about God. We'll never get our head around everything that God's doing and wants to do. But let's trust him in the midst of what at times is just uh, seems like a mystery. Secondly, the second gold nugget I want us to take hold of is that flowing from God's control, is that evil will not prevail. Some of you need to hear that word this morning. Some of you have experienced things that no human being should ever experience. And you need to know that evil will not prevail, that injustice will not prevail, whether it's personal or national or in communities, that um, you need to hear that word, that evil will not prevail. You may feel the pain of those who suffer, uh, and no one is speaking up for them. You see the injustice of that, and, and you, you need to hear that word, that, um, that evil will not prevail, injustice will not prevail. You may know Christians who suffer and even those who may have even lost their lives uh, in places where people lose their lives for their faith. You need to be encouraged that ultimately, even in this life that looks like evil wins, that ultimately evil will not prevail. I see on television every now and then or a photo uh, on news reports of an innocent child in a war zone with fear uh, all over their faces, just alone, not knowing where to turn. And you say, where in this world is the justice? Where, uh, where will, will this ever come to an end? Or families fleeing for their lives who turn up on the shores of nations seeking refuge and they get turned away. And you say, where is the justice of that when you know what God's will would be for those people who are simply looking for a safe place to live? Well, I want to let you hear from Daniel chapter 11 this morning that evil will not ultimately prevail even if it seems to in the short term. In Daniel chapter 11 we'll read these words. It talks about the events that were happening at the time and then the final verse of this passage reminds us that evil will not prevail. It says starting at verse 40 of Daniel chapter 11, then at the time of the end the king of the south and all these wars and attacks will be going on will attack the king of the north. The king of the north will storm out with chariots, charioteers and, and a vast navy. navy. He will invade various lands and sweep through them like a flood he will enter the glorious land of Israel and many nations will fall but Moab and Edom and the best part of Ammon will escape and he will conquer many countries and even Egypt will not escape he will gain control over gold and silver and the treasures of Egypt and the Libyans and the Ethiopians will be his servants but then news from the east and he was an evil ruler a news from the east and the north will alarm him and he will set out in great anger to destroy and obliterate them but here's the word of encouragement he will stop between the glorious holy mountain and the sea and will pitch his royal tents but while he was there his time will suddenly run out and no one will help him. In the midst of all the conflicts that were happening at the time, uh, the evil 
perpetrators at the time, uh, they were brought to a standstill uh, by the hand of God as he is sovereign over even nations and uh, that we can be encouraged as the Jewish people were, as God's people then were encouraged uh, when they saw these things happening, they knew ultimately that God uh, is in control. Justice will be done. Evil will be overcome. In Psalm 73, you may have echoes of this. Uh, the psalmist wrote these words in his, in his journey in life. He said, The wicked always seem uh, free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. Um, all day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. The wicked seem to be having an easy life and those as he was seeking to do and was doing what God had called him to do, he seemed to be suffering and afflicted and um, <clears throat> every morning was bringing new punishments. But then at the end of the same psalm, he says these words, those, and I trust you can say them as well, those who are far from you will perish. Uh, you destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. In the midst of things you don't understand, remind yourself of the deeds that God has done in the past. The Jewish people used to repeat how God, every year, every all the time, the parents were encouraged to remind their kids of all that God had done in delivering them from Egypt and looking after them and feeding them in the desert and all the things that God had done. And that was part of them being encouraged to live their lives. Even great, evil, great though it is, did not prevail against the Jews. And I want to say to you this morning, evil, however great it is in this world at the moment, evil, how great it is that you feel is happening against you or things that have been done against you that, that should never have been done, that they will not ultimately prevail. And you need to hear that word and be encouraged by that this morning. In Deuteronomy 32, 35, God says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. In due time, their feet will slip. Their day of disaster will arrive and their destiny will overtake them. And again in Romans 12, verse 17 to 19, God's word to us, uh, in the midst of evil and the times where we suffer, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honourable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scripture says, speaking of God, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. And for Daniel's audience to know that, uh, to be assured that God uh, would deal with injustice and deal with the things that don't seem to be dealt with in this life, um, this knowledge led to them to have joy in the present, deep joy in God despite their outward circumstances. Though prospering in the present, the wicked will get their due, and those suffering in the present, the godly will eventually get their reward. God will see to it that that happens. During the year that my first wife was passing away and it was a left field thing one day, we thought we had 30 or 40 years, depending if I lived till 90 or 100, uh, we were just, uh, we had all these dreams and hopes. Then I went home one day and the doctor had said to my wife, you've got three months to live. And in God's grace, she had a year. And during that year, uh, it was a personal suffering. It was a personal challenge. It was something that caught me left field um, and uh, during, during that time, it may seem strange, I've been told that the book of Revelation and Daniel's a little bit similar to some degree, 
is a pastoral letter to people in persecution. So I spent an afternoon, I thought, I'm going to read the book of Revelation as if it's a pastoral letter with all its crazy imagery and um, apocalyptic literature and all those things. I didn't try to understand all that and you're not meant to try and work out who it is and what it is and all that. I just read through uh, the book of Revelation one afternoon, just from chapter 1 through to the end of the book. And as I read through it, It became so clear to me, and I want you to hear this this morning. You understand the whole book of Revelation in what I'm saying now. It reminds us that, first of all, seven letters to the churches, Jesus is Lord over the church. So whatever's happening, good or bad in the church, Jesus is Lord over the church. Jesus is Lord over history. As you read the book of Revelation, it reminds us that Jesus is Lord over history. Jesus is Lord over all evil. Jesus is Lord and defeated Satan. And finally, Jesus is Lord over all eternity. What more message do you need to hear than to know in the midst of the deepest trials? And it was written to people who were, I won't say what some of the things that were happening because we got the children in here, but they were suffering severe persecution. And this letter was written to encourage them during the extreme tough times that they were facing and the persecution that they were facing. But because we know God is in control and because we know uh, that justice will ultimately be done in God's eternal perspective, we can stand firm in our faith. That's the third gold nugget I want you to take away from Daniel chapter 11, is that we need to, as the Jewish people did, uh, stand firm in your faith in the face of evil. In uh, Daniel 11, 29 to 32, the chapter, verses 29 to 32, um, we see how the Jews stood firm in their faith. It says, in starting at verse 29, at the appointed time, he, meaning the, the, the evil uh, dictator of the time, will invade the south again, but this time the outcome will be different uh, from what it was before. Ships of the western coastlands will oppose him uh, and he will lose heart. Then he will turn back and vent his fury against the Holy Covenant or God's people and he will return and show favour to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. And then it goes on. His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice that would be happening in the temple. Um, And then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. Um, With flattery he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant. And then it says, but the people who know their God will firmly resist him. And we, it's not taking up arms. I don't care how they shape it, whether it's the Crusades, whether it's modern wars, you cannot uh, fight the spiritual battles of evil in this world with guns and swords. Remember when Peter, when he thought he was defending Jesus, he uh, sliced off the, the soldier's ear and Jesus said to him to put the sword away. Jesus would be saying to a lot of Christians today, put your guns and your swords away and fight the battle of faith. Stand firm in your faith no matter what's happening, even if it costs you your life. Stand firm in your faith and that's how you win the battle uh, against evil that is happening uh, in the world. The Jews, many of them stood firm in their faith. We are called uh, to stand firm in our faith. Today, whatever the case, we need to take advantage of the time given to us to take opportunity to stand firm in our faith in the little things so that when the big challenges come, we are ready to handle the big challenges that may come our way. Be faithful 
in the little things. Stand firm when small challenges come so that when the big challenges come, you'll be able uh, to, to stand firm. I know when the personal challenge that I faced that I talked about a moment ago, it caught me off guard. I suddenly challenged my faith. It made me question my faith. It made me question whether resurrection was really real. I was really in a tailspin when I was thinking about uh, processing all that, um, that that meant at the time. And we need to, and I realised I hadn't been probably standing as firm as I should in the little things because I was shaken by this bigger thing that happened in my life. And so we need to just stand firm in the small things um, so that uh, we can be strong in the face of the bigger challenges, either personal or that happen in the world. The Antichrist may come, but we need not fear. He will be defeated. And I want to say unashamedly that those who traffic in fear um, are distorting the good news of the Christians who traffic in fear, are distorting the good news of the gospel uh, that gives hope and trust in the living God no matter what happens, even if your faith costs you your life. I grew up in, a, in my teen years, as a, I used to go to... Uh, um, be, I was influenced by Christians who all they could do was try and work out all these Daniel prophecies and they made the world look so evil and they had it all worked out back 30 or 40 years ago who the Antichrist was and who it was and I was so fearful that I, I remember saying to my parents I'm not going to ever get married I don't want to bring kids into this world it's so terrible and so bad that's not why uh, the scriptures are written we're written to be given hope uh, we're written uh, to, be, uh, to be encouraged and find strength no matter what is happening um, and uh, that we can live with hope and trust no matter even if our faith costs us our life the faith in the past event of the cross and all that it stands for gives us a sure hope for the future, which in turn gives us confidence uh, in the midst of the troubles of the, president, of the present. Past events of the cross gives us sure hope for the future, which gives us strength uh, in the present. Though we suffer now, we also can live life to the fullest. In spite of difficulty, we know that something better is coming in the future and we can enjoy the present. Um, the message of the books of Daniel and Revelation is not just to wait for the future, rather in the angelic words of Daniel, it is to go your way in verses. Dave will preach more on this in chapter 12. It says in verse 13, go your way till the end. You will rest and then at the end of your days you will rise and receive your allotted inheritance. I want to read from Hebrews uh, chapter 10 about standing firm in our faith. Remember those earlier days, chapter, Hebrews 10, verse, starting at verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, meaning you understood the gospel and the grace of God, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were uh, so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully, and there's an affirmation of the uh, Kairos ministry, you joy, except I'm not sure this bit I'm about to read. They joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property because they knew that they, uh, you knew uh, yourselves you had a better and lasting uh, possession. 
I would ask us here, would we uh, joyfully accept the confiscation of our property because of the reality of uh, the uh, citizenship we have in God's kingdom? So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come, speaking of Christ, and will not delay. And then it goes on and God says, But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. We need to let God's word speak to us uh, through uh, in Daniel uh, chapter 11, verse 33. Uh, the real heroes of the time when they were in great distress are the wise who will instruct and teach the many, not about identifying con countries and who the Antichrists are, but teaching and encouraging people to be strong in their faith in the midst of whatever opposition uh, they are facing. Highlights the, uh, the importance of children's ministry. We're looking for a full-time children's ministry and uh, uh, children's and families pastor. Uh, when I was in primary school, I grew up and down at Keith in the southeast in a public school, in a, an area school, uh, from reception through to year 11 then. Um, and uh, as a primary school student, it was back in the days when France was testing the first atomic bombs and it was all in the papers and it was all the talk of the schoolyard that if the, we have the wrong weather pattern and the winds bring the... Uh, and it could well have happened, uh, meaning that the, uh, the fallout from the atomic bombs could come across Australia and, and we would all get really sick and, and all, the, there was a real sense of fear in the schoolyard. But my family, my parents, godly parents, had taught me... Uh, uh, to have faith in God, that there was something beyond this life. And somehow in the midst of all those conversations in the schoolyard, there wasn't a sense of fear because what I'd been taught kicked in. The reality of truth of God's word, that God is over all things, uh, that there is a future in who God is. And so uh, I didn't uh, live with fear. So just the importance, and I just... Um, commend those who work in the children's ministry who maybe feel uh, called to get involved as a teacher or a helper that you are sowing good seeds that will help children live in this world with all the things that are happening and finally the final gold nugget uh, that I want us to take away from this chapter is that the suffering and persecution that may uh, come your way will purify and transform you Suffering and persecution. This is a, a key message that's in, in this chapter. The Jews were purified and strengthened in their suffering. Daniel 11, 33 to 35, reading the few verses there. Those who are wise will instruct many, though for a time they will fall by the sword and be burned and captured or plundered. Pretty serious stuff uh, if you're a pastor in those days. And when they fall, they will receive a little help and many who are not sincere will join them. Some of the wise will, and it's got the word stumble, but the idea there is that some will experience suffering and persecution. The stumble sounds like that they'll make a big mistake, but the word there in the Hebrew means that they will suffer so that they may be, and here's the word I want us to hear from this passage, the purpose or the outcome of that is so that they may be refined, purified and made spotless until the time of the end for it will, um, for it will still come at the appointed time. So just as the Jewish people were purified by their persecution and suffering, whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through, whatever you might go through, 
works towards purifying and transforming you into the image of Christ. It helps shape your faith. It challenges your faith. It strengthens um, your faith in, in, the, in the end. And I know um, um, when, when I was going through that year of watching my first wife pass away, in the midst of all that, in all the questions, not just the faith stuff, I saw... Uh, sinful attitudes, I saw things in my life that I didn't even know were there that rose to the surface in the midst of that suffering and I, I had to face those things and deal with them uh, and uh, if you like, uh, I've never had the chance to melt gold down when it's got impurities in it but I've seen lead when you melt that, the impurities all come to the surface and you can just scrape them off and you get pure lead and I think the same thing happens with gold that when you melt it, when it's in the fire, uh, the dross comes to the the service and you can scrape it off and so too in the midst of whatever challenges come your way God is purifying you he will show you things in your suffering that he wants to shape and change and deal with and maybe uh, remove uh, from your life Jesus suffered and was persecuted and we will suffer and be persecuted in the same way small or great but important to remember Jesus suffered, and here's a key thing to remember, Jesus suffered and was persecuted because he loved the sinners of his day, the prostitute, the tax collector, the despised of, of the time. And I want us to be challenged this morning that we as God's people, as individuals and as churches in Australia, that we are known, and if we are persecutors, because we love sinners, not go around pointing the finger at sinners. And when we do that, we are distorting the, what God's purpose is for us as his church to bring God's transforming power and love into the lives uh, of people. And it says in Matthew 24 verse 12 that because of sin, the love of many will wax cold. There'll be so much um, going on that uh, is not right and unjust that people's motivation and ability and even Christians will fall into this where they'll cease to love others and cease to love their enemies and, uh, and, and, and cease to be a true representative of what God has called us to be as his people. Jesus' final word to his disciples and his word to us today in John 16 verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. His uh, thanks for nothing, Jesus. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Sorry, I didn't mean that disrespectfully. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said that in this life, we will have troubles and challenges. Lord, forgive me. I've just... <laughs> he was being real. He was saying the way it is, calling it the way it is. It's been true for the last 2,000 years. It'll be true until Christ uh, comes again. Um, and we'll hear more uh, next week in chapter 12 about the hope and the other side of the coin uh, beyond the suffering that Dave will bring us that word uh, um, next, next week. But let's uh, summarise what suffering uh, and persecution will do. Suffering produces intimacy with God. Job, um, Job, who lost, suffered far more than we could ever imagine, he said, after all those events, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. At the other end of suffering, he, there was a, wasn't just what he knew about God, 
but there was a, coming out the other side of it, he had a deep sense of the reality of God's presence with him. Secondly, suffering equips us to comfort others. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 15. Suffering gives us compassion for others who are hurting, enabling us uh, to minister more effectively. John Piper said, people who suffer want people who have suffered to tell them there is hope. They are justifiably suspicious of people who appear to have it all together and pretend that they have it all together. And so the suffering enables us to comfort others. And the main focus of this passage, suffering refines us, the third thing that it does. All these are tied up together. Isaiah 48 verse 10, it says, God is saying, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. I don't want to minimise what life is for you. Whatever it is, it's very real. However big or small in comparison to others, it's very real. But in the midst of that, God is refining you as you hang on to faith in the midst of whatever is happening. And suffering produces growth and maturity. In James 1, 2 to 4, challenging words. Uh, and I'll draw to a close as I read a couple of scriptures. James 1, 2 to 5. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If we turn uh, toward God in our pain, he can use our suffering to mature our faith. And suffering conforms us into God's image. Romans chapter, chapter 8, uh, it says, and I'll read again some verses, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in the hope that creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation uh, has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what we already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And then that very familiar verse, a uh, few verses down, and we know, verse 28, and we know that all things work uh, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predetermined to be conformed to the image of his son. Weren't predetermined in the sense they were chosen. It's talking about everybody who comes to faith. God's predetermined. He wants you to be like Christ. That's his predetermined purpose for you, that you become more and more like Christ. I want you to take these four gold nuggets this morning from this chapter in Daniel, God, uh, Daniel chapter 11. God is in control. Evil will not ultimately prevail. Hear the word and the exhortation to persevere in your faith. I know it's hard. I know it's a challenge. But hang on to your faith in the midst of what you're going through. And as you do that, remember that persecution and suffering purifies us and produces the fruit of righteousness and Christ-likeness as we hang on to our faith in the midst of suffering. We all have struggles. 
Those struggles may be political or cultural. They may be emotional or psychological. They may be relational. They may be in relation to world events. But whatever the struggle, whatever the oppression, God is in control. And in spite of the present appearances, we will, he will bring victory over evil and honour to those who remain faithful to him. The book of Daniel is a call to all God's people to remain steadfast in their love and obedience to him in spite of personal turmoil and despite of challenging circumstances. I want us this morning, uh, during the final uh, hymn, as the band leads us, if you are struggling this morning, if you're maybe struggling in your faith, maybe struggling with what life's dealt you, maybe struggling with what you see happening in the world, then during the last song, just come quietly to the front as we're singing and there'll be people who can uh, pray with you. Maybe someone who you know may like to come and pray with you, uh, Dave and myself and others will be available. So come during the last song uh, if you'd like prayer. But let me pray as I hand over to the band. Father, we thank you that you're a God in whom we can put faith. And at times there's a great mystery about what you are doing and we cannot always understand. But Father, we put our faith in you, we put our trust in you, that in the end you will bring about what is just and right and put all things right. We thank you, Father, that you are shaping us to be more like the person of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, um, that at the other end of things, uh, we will be in your presence for all eternity. And Father, may we live with that hope. May that hope give us strength no matter what we're going through. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, Find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.